All right, welcome back to SportsMed Analytics, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Deepak Chona. Let's dive right in. There's a lot to talk about today. Starting with Zach Wilson. So the young Jets quarterback now has a meniscus tear and a bone bruise. And that is uh, pretty bad news, obviously, but it could have been a lot worse. And the reason I say that is because the meniscus tear treatment in general is going to be most likely trimming of the with a knee arthroscopy. So minimally invasive surgery. And once you get the swelling down and the leg strength back to normal over the course of about three weeks is when most quarterbacks would return, according to our data. And some may remember Ben Roethlisberger a few years back returning in about two weeks from this type of procedure during season. Now, Zach Wilson is not dependent on running. Obviously, he's a primarily pocket quarterback. But uh, as a result of this bone bruise, there is some potential cause for concern. And and it's something that's not a slam dunk to have resolved by week one of the season. I do think we'll see him play week one. But the more you run and the more you practice on a bone bruise, the worse it gets and the worse the swelling and the pain gets with it. So with Zach Wilson, we're most likely looking at a week one start, but this is something that I would expect to keep him out the rest of the preseason. Probably a full four weeks is what we're looking at here. One of the questions we get a lot, are players injury prone? And it's really kind of a loaded question. It can't be answered with just a yes or no because it varies so much from player to player. So the biggest one we've gotten all off season is Saquon Barkley. Is Saquon injury prone? Well, if we look back at last year, we would have actually maybe expected that decline in performance. The Giants' O-line was terrible. That's not even something that's debatable. If you look at their run blocking, it was fourth worst in the league, according to PFF models. Great analyst over there, Ted Seth, uh, has really put together some some excellent and informative models, and they are very clear that the Giants' run blocking was just awful. But are they going to ball out now? And That answer is probably not as well. But if you look back to the first two years of Saquon's career, he was putting up 1,500 to 2,000 total yards in each of those two years. And the Giants' O-line was still only around league average. So they've obviously added first-rounder Evan Neal, kind of a mountain of a man. And then they've added another O-lineman later in the draft. So we have to think the Giants' O-line is going to be significantly improved. And ACL data would have predicted also that Saquon would have an off year. The reason being that most running backs do their second their first year back from the ACL, especially when they're coming back on the earlier side. But why buy in on Saquon now? Well, our, the SMA algorithm identifies three keys to predicting a year two bounce back post ACL. One is age less than 25. Saquon was 23. Another is high draft slot and Saquon was second overall. And then third and most importantly, Elite athletic explosiveness metrics are really protective in this data. Saquon was 95th percentile on his 40-yard dash, 98th on vertical jump, and that even beats Adrian Peterson. So in summary, Saquon has the makings of the type of player who would return to his pre-injury stats in year two. And in his case, that was 120 yards and 0.8 touchdowns per game over two seasons. If we're getting him in round two, I'm jumping all over that without hesitation. There was a point when he was going in round three, and that was a pretty much a no-brainer for us as well. But even in round two, late round one, Saquon is a very reasonable target. 
his injuries were from an awkward tackle when he tore his ACL. And before that, he stepped on somebody's ankle and as a result, sprained his own. Those aren't really the types of patterns that we would expect to recur. They both are in their own ways, sort of off the normal beat of incidents. So no, Saquon is not injury prone and data is pretty strongly in favor of comeback here. One of the most interesting players this year is going to be Cam Akers. And the reason he's going to be interesting is because as an, as an orthopedist, he's going to help inform how modern Achilles repairs are holding up to very accelerated rehab and very accelerated return to play at high level. So in the Achilles NFL running back data, previous to Cam Akers, the average time missed was about 12 to 14 months. And at the even at that point, the first year back, actually the first two years back really, were showed declines of about 20% of the player's pre-injury production. And that's pretty significant. And if you look at Cam Akers, now he turned the timeline upside down on his head and he came back in an astounding six months. But he came back at a much lower level of play than he previously had. Now he went from averaging 4.3 yards per carry pre-injury down to 2.6 and he just didn't look like himself that's not a fault of his i think it's very reasonable expectations or it would have been unreasonable expectations to think that he was going to be the same player our algorithm which factors in a variety of things but especially timeline and pre-injury performance and athleticism and then post-injury historical data our algorithm had predicted him to be at 75 percent of himself at that point in the season and again i think that's a pretty fair assessment of of what he really was in terms of his explosiveness but if we look at what it says now we're looking at cam Akers hitting 90 percent about week six is what our algorithm is suggesting so at 90 percent, you're looking at nearly the full strength player i think he at that point he's in my head a very serviceable player but he's going pretty early around three to four and he's likely to get some opportunity, but he's also likely to be in a timeshare backfield. The Rams love the offense, love the system, love McVay. But I don't know if uh, being around 85% to start the season is going to be really enough to say Cam Akers is worth that price tag at ADP. The other question we get a lot is, who should I draft in the first round? And there's a couple of really important considerations to to think about here in the first round you can lose your draft if you do not have a solid player and obviously the first round is your most likely chance of getting that workhorse running back wide receiver etc you're really setting yourself up for failure and that's just what the data seems to say the people who write about football fantasy football analytics and uh, not just injury are really harping on that point the second thing that they talk about is that in the later rounds the end of a draft you're more likely to get a good running back than you are a good receiver and that to me is almost counterintuitive when i think about the fact that receivers are usually two to four per team some some of whom are useful up to about three usually but if you look at running backs they just get hurt so frequently and the backups are so much more unpredictable that they seem to really be the more successful hits at the end of drafts. And now 
to my point, the injury analytics on round one, I'm actually leaning receiver this year. And the reason is that is that if you look at the injury rate per play, a rush is a much more high-risk play than a reception. And a guy like Debo Samuel, if he continues on with last year's game script, because he's rushing the ball, he's at a 20% higher injury risk than his more finesse catching uh, counterparts at re- wide receiver. So in that case, I'd rather much rather have the finesse guys, Jalen Waddle and uh, Jamar Chase, etc. But if you look at the options in the first round, you got Devontae Adams, you got Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. I really like Stefan Diggs, and, and part of that is a very consistent target share. Part of that is a stud QB in Josh Allen, who's clearly trending in, trending in the right direction. And then part of that is that he's likely to get a consistent red zone workload. Even though Josh Allen takes some of those for himself with the running, the chances of any of those receivers playing well and playing the whole season is just simply higher than a running back who on average will miss two games per year. Darren Waller is a really interesting case to me. Now he was a huge disappointment last year and uh, especially to me having traded for him after his week one performance. Darren Waller was a dud of a player but if you look at it there may have been an explanation why that gives me a little bit of ease for going into this year and that's this it band strain that he had he was in and out of the lineup uh missed six games and then was in and out of the lineup here and there in addition so with that it's really hard to establish any sort of rhythm as a tight end with your quarterback and it's very likely that he played at less than 100 percent multiple weeks in there so i'm not really putting too much stock into those stats the previous two years he had very clearly elite stats in each of those two seasons, he put up over 90 receptions and 1,100 yards per year. And those are unquestionably tier one numbers for the tight end. But if you look at where he's going now, Fantasy Pros has him at slot 49 around the likes of Michael Pittman Jr. and Brandon Cooks. You could snag a good wide receiver there, but it's a much deeper position. And really importantly, Waller is the lowest ranked of the potentially elite tight ends, or in other words, the guys who have proven to us they can do it. That's Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, and then Darren Waller. And if you look at proven production, I think Darren Waller is a good fantasy tight end target at the round he's going. That's particularly true because the nature of the injury that he had last year is not one that should linger. It's not one that puts him at a recurrence risk really this year. And it's not one that generally drops performance this far out. So again, Darren Waller, I think, should come in totally healthy if things hold up and should bounce back from what was a very clearly off year last year. Now, I briefly want to address something that came up on Twitter this week. I was talking about the Zach Wilson injury, how we nailed the pick, and how David Chow had put out a pretty aggressive headline, sort of of matter-of-fact type headline, making the assumption that his video analysis was going to be definitive, that... Zach Wilson did tear his ACL, and Chow was a total class act. He he apologized for the headline, et cetera, et cetera. But I do want to get voice this opinion that you know I I have a lot of friends who do NFL injury analysis. I have a lot of people who I respect who uh, I haven't met yet, but I do certainly respect them and their work. And David Chow is in that group, 
but I do think I'm the number one best at predicting recovery and performance. And it's because we use just what I believe is a better process. Sportsman Analytics combines big data and machine learning and then my orthopedic training. And I've had maybe some of the best orthopedic educators as in the world as my mentors. So that is all being applied to this NFL injury analysis, these fantasy football projections. And for that reason, when we approach this, we approach this as a non-medical hobby, passion, whatever you want to call it, but it's just very definitely not medical. We do not treat these patients. We do not use any physical exam, MRI, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're doing here is competing to make the most accurate NFL predictions that we can. And when we do that, when I've grown up idolizing the likes of LeBron James, Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant. So we try to emulate their mentalities. And we that's why we bring maximum confidence, maximum hype, maximum focus to all of this. And I am having way too much fun to stop talking trash. I will continue to do so. But just wanted to clarify that that's where we come from. That's why we feel the way we feel about the confidence that we have in our predictions. And it's also why we sportsman analytics is quickly rising to the top of the injury analysis game. So follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and hit us up in any way you like. And we will be happy to continue this discussion and talk about any players that you're missing anybody questions that you need to be have answered before you do your drafts or before you set your waiver wires or whatever it is we've been getting a lot of questions about michael gallup the dallas cowboys wide receiver i do love his upgraded role on their offense now that amari cooper is out of the picture and i do like dak prescott i do like a healthy pollard and zeke as supporting cast in the backfield but you're gonna have to take michael gallup over guys like chris olave alan lazard tyler boyd MVS, and that doesn't really make sense to me. A February ACL surgery, which is what Gallup had, on average would mean a November return, and there is variation up and down from that average timeline of not about nine months, but our algorithm shows that production should lag about six months even behind that for Michael Gallup, and that's partly based on his age. He's 26 years old, so kind of middle of the road for a wide receiver. Nothing of concern there, but his athletic metrics pre-injury put him around the 50th percentile, so about average. And on average, we see a pretty significant decline the first year back from an ACL surgery for a wide receiver. And that decline is especially heightened when they are coming back quickly. And this would be the case if we see Michael Gallup before the end of the season. So in this case, I got to be out on the player, even though I do really like his talent. He is a buy still for me in Dynasty Leagues because I don't think this is going to really affect him too greatly going forward, especially next year and beyond. But as redraft, got to be out on this one. The last guy on our list today is DeAndre Hopkins. He was a stud for many years in a row, 2013 to 2020, missing only two games in that whole time playing with questionable or probable designations many times but 2021 was really the first time when he's had real injury that's kept him out of the lineup and he of course had a bit of a dud of a season he had some good games in there but now we're looking at 2022 and deandre hopkins has to serve a six game suspension for peds no way around that but we're also not 
forgetting people when they're drafting are remembering that he had an injury at the end of last year. The key, though, is that DeAndre Hopkins had the type of injury, an MCL, which isn't the type of injury to cause him long-term problems in that knee starting next year. Uh, He's also not likely to have a performance dip. It's not as hard of a recovery as the ACL. And as a result, DeAndre Hopkins is probably being undersold right now as a guy who's coming off of injury, has also a suspension, and his value is is susceptible to being depressed. All right, my friends, that is all for today. Thank you for joining. As always, hit me up on any t- social platform. Let us know who you want to talk about, and we will see you soon.